This podcast represents the individual opinions of Dr. Dimitri Bick, Dr. Stefan de Graff, and the guests. It should not be taken as medical advice or an establishment of standard of care. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. no secret that we are a South Florida based show, right? Yeah, I, I think, think that's the cat on the bag. Yeah, yeah, I think everybody knows that based on the the tweeting that's done from our account. And yeah. the fact that we have, you know, an Instagram account that pretty much shows our location and stuff. And I guess it's not really a big secret that we can say that we both live in Broward County. And this last week, Broward County, it was an absolute disaster area. Oh yeah, I listen. For people that people that know where Brown County is and where Fort Lauderdale is, I'm in Fort Lauderdale. I'm in the heart of everything you saw online. I don't even know if you made national news. I, I haven't watched TV in, in about seven days. But if any of you saw the news, I'm actually where it happened. Yeah, I, I you, you are river. exactly where it happened. That's right. Yeah, I crossed the river, so to speak, a few times. You know, during the week, literally, I had to roll up my my pants to go to work. Right, so, and so you are actually working from your bedroom today because am, your yeah. office is flooded, and they're taking my apart your house, well, basically. Yeah, well, thankfully it's only flooded, but yeah, they can they can apart my walls in my yeah office and yeah. I guess basically all the rooms in the house. Yeah, so and and that, that's, um, that's <clears throat> I was gonna say that that's the price we pay for living. In paradise, people say. That's right. You know, people paradise, say. Right. People say, "Hey, I leave for vacation," but you don't want a vacation here right now. <laughs> no, <laughs> and uh, it it hasn't rained the last two days, so things have dried up, I guess, a little bit. Uh, but it's supposed yeah, to rain this hot. afternoon again. Well, yeah, that's what happens, yeah. right? It gets the the water starts so evaporating, and then yeah. it gets hot and humid. Welcome to the tropics yeah. and the. And the Everglades and the swamp. Miami's not any better. So for those that are no. listening outside of the state of Florida, and we have some of those, and we thank you very much for downloading outside of the state of Florida. Broward County is Fort Lauderdale. Dade County, what they call Miami Dade County now, is right. Miami. And Miami's not much you... better, although it didn't flood as badly as Fort Lauderdale. Fort Lauderdale International right. Airport was a lake. You couldn't get anywhere it was it was underwater and that's basically in the space that you are in if you yeah, go on twitter yeah, or if you go on the news and you look up fort lauderdale floods you're going to see abandoned cars and and things floating around and i tried to get home on thursday from my office and my neighborhood was flooded there was an SUV that was broken down in my neighborhood because that person could not get through the floodwaters. An SUV could not get through the floodwaters. I, I, I don't know what even happens. I, I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, I wish somebody would explain to me. People say it's, the, it's poor city planning, it's poor sewage system, it's poor irrigation system. But I don't know, man. Like People say, like, you know, we, we're close to the Everglades and the swamp, and it comes from the swamp. It doesn't come from the ocean. Who knows? No, dude. It's All the ocean is, is creeping up on us, man. 
<laughs> so whether you, well, if you well, believe, whether you believe in global warming or not, man, it's happening. Yeah, I was gonna say, I was <laughs> gonna happening. say, we'll do a we'll do a, we'll do a segue to, to global warming. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Like you can you can because if you live in Montana or something like I lived in Ohio too, and it was twenty degrees, and you're like, oh, there's no global warming here. Oh. Come down here and let it rain for a couple of days, and you'll find out how underwater it's things warm. get. It's 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 March or it's April now, but even in March. It was 90 degrees down here and it doesn't get yeah. really that hot usually until like the end of May or June. And then in August is a complete I, I, August. is you can't even go outside because it's so hot and it's getting there now. My car registered 91 yesterday. No, it's super hot. Yesterday was hot, man. Like I went out yesterday. I couldn't stay. I mean, I couldn't stay in the house because they're doing construction work in the house and I was out and I was like, where do I go? You yeah, know? I can't be yeah. home. I can't be outside. That's right. It's it's crazy. Anyway, and enough complaining. Did you uh did you watch the end of the Sacramento Golden State game last night? Yeah, I did. Wow, I mean that was nuts. That was nuts. I I, I want to say I, I I wish you could see clearly who was an underdog or who was a top dog. You couldn't tell. Really, you know, and, 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 Sacramento is clearly the underdog. Light the beam, baby. No, I, Let's go, Kings. Right. I, I I mean I'm being facetious, but it, it should be clearer than that. It should be. Golden State pounding on, on Sacramento, right? But I don't know. This two California team, they look like they're going to go. I don't know, I don't know Maybe six games, seven games. Who knows? Sacramento, I think, and I need to look this up, but I think Sacramento has the number one offense in the league. Golden State does not play defense, and they, they, have, they have the worst road record of any playoff team in the history of the NBA. But you know what? The, the managers will be on the news every single week because they have somebody named Green. Draymond Green that managed to keep his team relevant in the news every single okay. week. Okay, so that's the reason we're bringing this up. Other than the fact that the game was fantastic, um, yeah. is because Draymond Green <laughs> and Rudy Gobert got into it. And y y did you see what Draymond Green did uh, to uh, Sabonis yesterday too? And this this well, is do. part of what I we're going to talk about. It. But you missed it late in the game. They were going for a rebound together and. Uh, the rebound kind of went in another direction, but they fell down together, and oh, yeah, the and ball he, went. Yeah, and he sat on yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, I saw and, that one. Yeah, yeah, he, he, that, that's typical Draymond Green. I that's mean, Draymond Green, right? That's Draymond Green. That's what he does. Uh, that's I, I what he does. Stats. I wish we had stats for how many times that Draymond Green does something like this. <laughs> he might be like a triple double with, with stupidity like this, right? A triple double with trolling people. I don't know. Well, okay, so that's that's what we're talking about here is trolls, and Draymond Green is 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 perfecting this craft of online trolling. Him and Rudy Gobert have a I don't know if they can we call it a beef? Can we call it an online beef? Yeah, uh, a Twitter beef, I, a tweef. Can we call it that? A tweef. There you go. We'll uh, call a it tweef. I, I don't know. So Draymond Green, if you don't follow NBA, at the beginning of this year, Draymond Green went after Jordan Poole. And he punched him during a practice. And Rudy Gobert tweeted out, quote, insecurity is always loud. Now, was it a coincidence? He didn't tweet at Draymond Green. He just, it was just a tweet. It was just, you know, he into, the, into right. the universe. Right. He hinted something. Well, it was it and directed then, at him. I, we don't know. We don't know. No, I, it, fast forward to what? Fast forward to April 8th, right? Um, Rudy Gobert like got months, into it with months, a teammate on the bench. I don't remember what the who the teammate was. 
you remember who it was? Yeah, it was uh, was it Kyle Anderson or uh, I forgot, but one of those anyway, role players. Basically, he went after him and he punched him. And of course, Draymond Green can't pass up an opportunity to say something. And so Draymond Green tweeted out, insecurity is always loud. Again, into the universe. Did it actually mean? Yeah. Was he tweeting at Rudy Gobert? We didn't actually tweet at Rudy Gobert, but look, it, it, it was a, you know what they call it? It, it was a, a, a subtweet. You call like a, a, a subtweet. Sub, right? that's, that's what they call it. Yeah, yeah. That's a tweet. Yeah. So you're tweeting at someone without actually tweeting at someone. So for those that are not social right. media savvy, it is called a subtweet. Yes. So can this be considered a tweet? A Twitter beef? Yeah, I'm going to consider that a Twitter beef. But what this is an example of is trolling. They're trolling each other. And we thought this was a good time to discuss internet trolls because this is uh, right. this is a thing that's going on now. For how long? I don't know. It's been going on since the internet started. I, that's, that's how I would say. You know, you know, I always thought trolling was synonymous to bullying, but apparently it's not. Apparently, having the internet factoring in, it totally changed the definition of trolling. Right? Yeah. It's not only bullying, but it's possibly bullying, but online in the on, on, online stratosphere cyberbullying right cyberbullying and put me to pause and i thought what was there any trolling before internet and people would call it trash talking you know in the game if, if you knew gary payton if you knew Larry bird if you knew kobe bryant if you knew uh, kevin Garnett, these people literally bullied the, the, the opponent like throughout the game and it's part it's part of sports yeah but trolling you know, it transcends what you see on, 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 in, in the game. It goes out the game. It goes like, you know, like like these two guys been, been tweeting at each other, right? It's not part of the game. And one might say it's it's mind gaming. You know, it's it's playing into the mind of the, of the opponent and trying to get an advantage. You know, and then playing psychological warfare, if you will. But uh, if if we, if you want to leave the the world of sports, they are trolling in cyber world that doesn't involve sports at all and that that's that's where you, you tend to have people being literally bullied um to other people right kids are often known to you know some kids are can be vicious towards each other behind a screen or behind a, a, a twitter finger or behind instagram or tiktok and that's what we call troll trolling people online is, is literally bullying somebody online well but, okay you know, so to... there trolling can be bullying but there's also right trolling that's not necessarily bullying when i was looking into this i discovered that there's no set definition of it so what i found out is that there's multiple different definitions but essentially trolling was defined as behavior online that's designed to incite an emotional reaction to get people riled up um and not to really further a conversation but just to kind of get an emotional reaction and yes it can be bullying but it seems that a lot of the trolling is not necessarily that it's, you know, political. It could be sports too. People have sports discussions and they just get derailed by people that come in and just say things that are nonsense. I, you know, I actually think, I don't know if that's, that's going to be the right thing to say, but I actually think trolling with, between players, sports, I think it's part of the game. I, oh, I, I agree sure with that. Be I'm fine with that. I'm sure that's going to be, I'm fine with it. It's going to be obviously limit to everything whether you say something that's just you know part of i'm, I'm gonna call it sportmanship right you might not like it but it's part of the game now 
If you do something that's completely outside of the line, that's different. But if you're saying to picking up somebody out of the game or you trash or you can play or you, you're, you're bomb, it's part of sportsmanship. I mean, you might not like it, but hey, you're playing sports. It's very competitive. Trash talking has been part of basketball for as long as I can remember watching basketball. Larry Bird was one of the biggest trash talkers on the planet. Yeah. Jordan did it. Yeah. Gary Payton, you Gary mentioned Payton. him. These are some of the greatest players, and, and they were huge trash talkers. And again, there's a limit to, I, I suppose, where kind of it crosses the line. There's NFL players that claim that other people call them racial sores, and I guess you're going to say that that crosses a line. I'm not that person to say that. It's up to the individual to determine whether or not it crosses the line for them, or if they talk about their families or something like that. But trash talking in sport within the game of sports while you're playing the game, you want to call that trolling? Fine. That's not what we're it's talking. Game about. on. That that's game right. on. Now that's right. Yeah, that's game. No, now now if if you want to leave the sports world, like I was saying earlier, you see trolling on the internet. You see people being mean to each other. You see, like you were mentioning, political you know discourse or argument, and you see people being nasty to each other. You know, even politicians are nasty to each other on, on, online. That might not be as acceptable as it is in in sports, right? Because one would imply that sports you, you accept it, but in, in life, trolling at somebody, for example, because of the weight or the or the way they look, or how they dress themselves, or how they define themselves, and you know, having somebody name calling people online, that's definitely not something I would I would say would, would be acceptable. Right. Now I'll say that the, the issue that one might raise is when you consume the the product of, of what is sports and, and you know, the internet, the media aspect of sports, because now sports is something that you can sell. You sell media. You're consuming it and you basically cautioning it. Kids are watching these players. Kids are online. They, they follow players. And now you can go and say, well, is that fair to set that kind of example to the young people, right? Remember Charles Barkley, right? Remember Charles Barkley, right? He said something like, hey, Hey, I, so I forgot, but you might you might get exact with so like I, I am not a role model. Exactly right. So I, I, I don't know. So you might stretch the line and say, listen, these guys they have a platform, and they should strive to show better example or to try to to lead the, the youth or whatnot. But hey, they're doing their job. They're, they're playing the game and they they being they being competitive. I don't know. I, maybe, maybe it's part of us. No. Maybe it's our maybe it's our responsibility to have our kids, you know, know better. That's right. right? That's right. Maybe That's maybe right. it's our responsibility to say, listen, this is just this is trash talking. This is not something I should do at you know in school or whatnot. You know, maybe maybe, maybe the, the 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 parenting needs to be at be done at home and not let the parenting done on social media. Let's, let's Look at you, way. Steph, spoken like a true parent. You must have children. I don't except, know. I, I may have some children somewhere. I don't know. Them. Except, except <laughs> but, I, I know I don't you know. don't. <laughs> but you're speaking like a parent. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's it's parental responsibility. Oh my goodness. Is that even possible? The, the, these people are adults. If they want to if they want to talk trash on the court or on the field or something like that, they're not. You know, their kids are watching this. That parents can educate their children on. Like these are adults. They're doing competitive things and if you are an adult and you're doing competitive things then yes you may be able to do this but when you're 12 and on a basketball court you know maybe tone it down a little bit maybe maybe keep it pg you know when you're 12 years old maybe keep the, the trash talking pg like 
I'm better than you. I'm I right, watch my yeah. moves. <laughs> you know, instead yeah. of what Draymond uh, yeah, Green is I doing. Don't know, like, you know what I mean? Right, like, right. It, it, right. There's a there's a way to trash talk when you're twelve too. It's just Right, it's not and as trashy. Right, right. Okay. But but what we're talking and, and, about, what, right. what we're talking about is the the online trolling and and when I was looking into it more thoroughly, what I wanted to find out was, and and I don't know if you've ever been a, I don't I don't want to say victim because that's and that's not the right word, but have you ever like interacted with trolls online and message board, Twitter, Twitter? I, I have. Think so. And, I don't uh, think so. They're, I don't think so. They're they're. Or even in real life, where they're trolling you like right. in person. Yeah. No. So um, I wanted to find out what personality characteristics are involved in, in trolling, and so I started yeah. looking into it more often. And what I found in a particular set of research is that the dark triad is involved. And for those that do not know what the dark triad is, it is three distinct related personality traits. It is narcissism, psychopathy, and Machiavellianism. And if you don't know what Machiavellianism is, Machiavellianism is essentially, I mean, you could look this up, be more specific, but essentially it's uh, manipulation. The way you can be manipulative, cunning, uh, attempting to grab power through manipulation, things like that. So that's, that's the dark tribe, narcissism, Machiavellianism, and psychopathy. And I, we're not going to go into psychopathy because that's, we could do an entire podcast on psychopathy with what's going on in the world right now. But so the dark triad is involved. Now, what I found out was that's not enough. People with dark triad personality traits also need to have something called schadenfreude. Did I get that right? Schadenfreude. Schadenfreude. It's schadenfreude is the desire to see people suffer or revel in other people's misfortune. If you have the dark triad personality traits and you have schadenfreude, it increases the risk of being a troll because trolling, this is online trolling we're talking about, although I suspect that interpersonal trolling like in front of you probably is the same. It, it, I would uh, say it's probably you. more common than we know. Yeah, it's probably more, more common than we think it is. Oh, I know for a fact it is. I'm just not going to bring it up. <laughs> I, know, I know for a fact it is. But but you need the ability because what troll what what trolls want to do is rile you up, and what gives them the satisfaction is to see you upset, a, and that's a that's a shot right, Freud right. kind of thing. They, you're right. They they, they they looking for a reaction from you. They egg you on, and when when you lose it, that's when they get their you that, know that's, 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 that's when they the get satisfaction. Their, that's the reward. Right. right, right. That's the reward exactly. Right. So what's what's the solution? How do you deal with trolls? Hey. You you let you let it. You just ignore them, right? Ah, ignore there it is. Of it. <laughs> there it you is. You let it. You, you, let it <laughs> you just ignore it. You, you just let it go. Yeah. There there are other ways to do it, but the best way to do it is just to let it go, ignore it. And just let and it go. Right. The, the problem I think with a lot of people is they can't do it. There's a there's a meme online that's a big troll with big teeth, right? And it says, so, "Do not feed I, the trolls," and it's true. So. I, I, I think I think what may what may make it difficult to ignore is the same actually intrinsic aspect of being a troll, right? It's, it's, it happens online. So being from your laying in your couch, somebody's laying in their couch, and they're going back and forth. So it is so accessible. It is so easy to just respond because there's no quotation mark. I'm doing the air quote. There's no repercussion, right? Because you can do it from your couch. 
It's not like well, okay. standing in front yeah. of somebody and getting a fist fight, right? Right, so right. Well, so anonymity easy, is so yeah. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah. You have anonymity. You can you you have you have if you want to go back to Kevin uh, Kevin Durant having his uh what what they call it like his his uh, fake Twitter account and trolling fans online and it, it happens. People have different accounts and they 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 indulge in trolling behaviors, but they won't do it on their own account, right? That's because right. Because they can do it. That's right. What they found was that anonymity, online anonymity actually increases likelihood of being outspoken. So speaking your mind, it doesn't necessarily increase the likelihood of trolling, but it does increase the likelihood of being outspoken. But again, to increase the likelihood then of trolling, being anonymous online and having the dark triad and having schadenfreude, now you get yourself a troll. So, but yes, being anonymous because there's no accountability, there's no, well, I guess accountability is the right word. Uh, there's no consequence, I guess, is the word I'm looking for, is what happens. There's other ways to deal with it. You can argue is not the good word, or you can just keep asking for factual basis to their opinions, but that engages them. And a lot of the times the engagement is all they want. You'll ask for a source. Well, what's the source for this? And they'll just give you another BS fact. Well, what's the source for that? And it's giving another BS fact. And, and the whole point is that they just want to rile you up and say things that aren't true or say incendiary things. And it's, it's the best thing is just to right. ignore it. Right. They, they want to get you in the mud. That typically does that. They want to get you in the mud. So w once you engage, once you get in that back and forth, then you're already lost because that, that's what they want. They want that reaction from you. And then they, it keeps on going. And it's a, it's a, it's a fight with words, right? I'm going to say the meanest thing. You're going to say the meanest thing. And then it goes on and on and on. That's right. So, so kids, can we call that the mental health tip of the day? Or we got that. We got that. Yeah. Way I mean, that, that, yeah, that's not the mental health tip of the day. Not. But I'll say kids ignore trolls. Don't get into that behavior of going back and forth with people. Ignore the trolls. Excellent. All right. Not the mental health tip of the day. That's later. We're a week late on this, but we should talk about it. Did you watch the Masters? I watched a little bit of it. I, the last day I was traveling, but I did watch it a little bit. I, I know it's funny, you know, I, I'll digress later, but whenever there's golf going on, it has to include Tiger Woods. <laughs> okay. It has right. to, you know. He has to. He, he didn't do anything, but half of the news was about Tiger Woods not, not completing. So he, he hobbled around and then he left. He hobbled. That yeah, that's what right. he did, which is unfortunate because you're not wrong. Golf is what it is today, probably because of him. On and off the golf course, there's yes. no such as bad news. I guess say, right. <laughs> I guess not. There's and it's yeah. it's entirely possible that the reason he's injured is because of what happened off the golf course. Although that's speculation, I don't know that to be fact because I haven't really followed his career oh, completely off the course. <laughs> Um, but I know he had a incident with uh, a golf club years ago, and then he had a very very bad car accident, and that's bad probably yeah. that's probably what's the majority of his of his injuries. But yeah, he was right. he was not doing well, and he hobbled off. But the bigger thing that happened, and you said you didn't watch 
the last round was Brooks Koepka. And, and, and I know Koepka was winning. Right? I was going to say Koepka was winning. I, I, when I was watching the entire weekend, he, was, he, was, he had the lead. And then something happened, and you, you take it from there. Right. We have no idea what happened. Right. Brooks Koepka, and I, I hope I don't get this wrong, is he had a three-stroke lead going into the final round, which isn't huge. It might have even been two. It, it's, but it's decent, though. People may think that matters, and that's a lot to me. To me, that matters a lot. People may think that's well, that's not that much. I don't. I don't know enough about golf to tell you whether or not that is a lot. But from what people have been saying about this, he had he sort of gagged it up because of the way he played. Right. So they're saying he lost it. Not that he got he got beat, but they said they said they're saying he lost it. Like it was his to lose. <laughs> Well, John Rahm really played well, and and I did watch it, and I know the rules. I just can't play it, I, and he really did well. And Brooks Kepa, so the Masters course, the Augusta course, is a seventy-two par. And for those people that know golf, they know what that means. It, it's a seventy-two par. Kepka shot a seventy-three. Uh, sorry, a seventy-five in the last round, which was the worst round of the tournament for him, and. John Rahm shot a 68, I believe. That's so that's good. 400 par. Kepka shot three over par. So you're talking about a seven shot difference, right? right? So he not only closed the gap, but he exceeded it. And yeah. at, at one point in the tournament, in the third round, Kepka was up four. And that is, that is a significant lead. Now you have a lot of holes to go. But a four-stroke lead is in golf is significant. It's not. It's not a small lead because Augusta is not an easy course, from what I understand either. I mean, I think there's easier holes than others, but there's some holes that are super difficult. Again, not a golf expert. This is just what I understand. And so, so we thought so we should we should discuss why Kupka lost you know i mean i don't want to take it, take it away from the, the the actual winner but the discussion has been that he what what they say these days he choked up as we commonly say right he choked gagged now i look there's been much worse chokes in sports and in golf than this in fact i have two top five lists coming up here oh, one of the top okay. five lists is the top five chokes in in golf history Oh, okay. And Kepka's not even in the top five of this. Not even in the top five. And so, did he gag it up? I, I, okay. But he's, he's not even close to what the other five did. But let's hear from him, right? Because I think one of the reasons he gave, I don't know. He, he, did, he make, in fairness to him, he made no excuses. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. He, he, he <laughs> really? alluded, he alluded to somebody going to the bathroom too often. <laughs> Okay, right. But he didn't use that as an excuse to, that why he lost. I, you know yeah, what? Let's not put I, words in his mouth. Let's let him right. speak. That's so true. I'm going to play the clip. Let's play the clip. And this clip is courtesy the Masters. Brooks, uh, you, you're a pretty fast player, as we know. Just curious your thoughts on the pace of play this afternoon. Yeah, that group in front of us was brutally slow. I mean, I don't think... I mean, John went to the bathroom like seven times during the round, and we were still waiting. So. Okay, so the John he's referring to is John Rahm, which is in, in the final round of 
uh, the Masters, they pair players. So they pair the top two, and then they pair other players. So he, he was paired with John Rahm because they were the top two. And so the John he was referring to was John. So John Rahm went to the bathroom seven times, and then and they were still waiting because the two in front of them, which was uh, Victor Havlin and um, I, don't, I don't know his name, but hey, going to the bathroom is not it's not something that should be even mentioned in sports, right? I mean, golf you you have breaks and you can walk out and you can walk, and then I don't know if that has ever been an issue with people going to the bathroom too often. Uh, I, this is the first time I honestly I've heard somebody mentioning that as part of. of I, I didn't know you could go to the bathroom. Stop the behavior. Where do you go to the bathroom in the middle of a tournament? Like you can just go. Like I got to go to the bathroom. You call a timeout if you playing basketball. I don't know. Everything is a timeout in golf. <laughs> yeah, right. You're right. Everything. I don't. Like, you hit the like ball. You, can... you, you, you listen. You can you can tee off and go to the bathroom what? on your way on your way to the green, right? And I don't we, know. like, where do they have to go back to the clubhouse? Is there a porta potty? Like, like. I don't understand. Like this is what like I don't I don't I don't know golf enough, right? And he said he still waited. So it was Cantley. That was the other guy. It was Cantley and Havlin. And so he said, and you could hear it in his voice, right? He's he's super disappointed that the yeah. guys in front of him were slow. So uh, John Rom went to the bathroom. He came back, and they're still waiting for these guys in front of them. Um, I think so someone the, called. The, I guess uh, the argument is that they they got disrupted. Like they're they're. I, I could his see rhythm got disrupted. Saying that they're. Right, the rhythm, the momentum that disrupted. I, I mean, I, 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 that's understandable. Well, okay. So, speaking to people who do play golf, what I understand about it is it's a fine motor sport, and that's true. You got to hold the club in a certain way. You can't hold it too hard. You can't hold it too light. The swing is a is even a finer swing than baseball. Uh, I think golf, in my opinion, is the hardest game to play in sports because right, and and, and I think that's. One of the reasons that the term yips, right? When when somebody have the yips, colloquially mentioned in every single sport, like if you go to the free throw line and you miss two free throws right. at the end of the game to tie the game or to win, they call it the yips. But I think originally, correct me if I'm wrong, originally the yips originated from golfing, right? Yes, yeah, I think it, it comes from from golfing, right? It okay. did. Yeah, so we can go to yeah, the definition if you want to. Speaking of free throws, in '97, and this goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Carl Malone went to the free throw line in the NBA finals and someone on the bulls came up to him and said, the mailman doesn't deliver on Sundays, which is <laughs> trash talking. <laughs> right. Is, and and, 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 I, and right? I love it. I love it. I love it. And Carl Malone proceeded to clank two free throws, which did he choke those free throws? Did he, did it, the, the trash talking bother? Him? So do you have a definition? It, it, it well, of course it does. Trash talking works, but <laughs> okay. So, right. do you have a definition so, of yips? Because I found I found the right. definition, and and again, this is another one of those things like trolling where it's not absolutely clear. But right. I found one. Where, right. Where did so, you so, find? so, I, I think I, I, as I was saying, I think people nowadays, we, when we say, when you mention yips, people you know kind of think of anxiety or performance anxiety to be to be more specific, but the yips actually a very defined um phenomenon and there's actually a definition for it you know and actually it's actually even physical you know you can actually diagnose it and and it, they mention it to be a it's an involuntary risk spasm okay so it affects in what i've what i've read was that the the higher experience level performance level the more propensity you have to have the yips meaning if you're using that those muscle 
that often you're prone to a muscle spasm, which is understandable, right? This is this is almost like we're talking about writer's, you know, um, um, spasm, or if you're talking writer's about block. Uh, writer's block, or if you're talking about typing when you when you have carpal tunnel syndrome, the most common that muscle group that you use in that specific sport, you have a propensity to have muscle spasm, and people call you the yips. Colloquially, we'll think about people choking for psychological issues, anxiety, fears, um, overthinking, worries. But it's actually, if you didn't know, it's actually a, a, a spasm that happens physically. And it's associated with performance anxiety. So what happens is that when you overthink the movement or you worry about the movement that you've done a thousand times, it I guess it translates to having a spasm. You, you lose that control of your the wrist movement. I, I, in golf, I'm sure it's this, this succinct precision in where you hold the golf club that you're mentioning right the way you yep. you twist your your wrist so if you don't concentrate if you don't stay in the zone like the same sports and then you miss the pot maybe cop commit then you might have had the hips we're gonna we're gonna have sound of kepka talking about what happened on some of his shots so he, he did not say that you don't say that but most athletes when they have the yips, what happens is that they become so anxious, they become self-focused, right? They they overthink the movement that they've done so many times and overthinking to the point that they're being distracted, okay? So the ability to perform that skill, such as the putting, is being impaired and therefore right. the choke on that putt, right? So it's an extreme form of performance anxiety. Performing that same movement, you know, and you, you kind of miss it because you're overthinking it, something that you've done so many times. And it could be, um, it, it may have, a harmful effect on the golfers or at least game. And if you want to go to different sports, you could talk about a pitcher, you could talk about a basketball player, Carl Malone, not delivering uh, as a mailman that he is on, on the free throw line. You can talk about, you know, somebody on the pitch, you know, shooting a penalty for the walk-up and then they go wide. So because they're overthinking that movement. So they try to define it as a spasm. But I, I do think it's the fact that you're not controlling the moment, you're not controlling that, that exercise that you're doing, and then you, you, you miss uh, that control, and then therefore you choke. Chuck Knobloch very famously I'm, I'm had uh, the yips. He was a second baseman for the Twins, and he just was unable to throw to second base or to first base. And, and it, can be, it, can, it can be pervasive. It can be pervasive. So some people are getting a cycle of yips, and they even go to psychologists. And readily, baseball players would go to sports psychologists to get out of the funk. To get out of the yips, so they get they get yep. they get stuck in the yips because they missed it, so they get stuck in a loop, that overthinking loop. It's like that social anxiety loop that, women, I can't do it anymore. I can't do it anymore. So they get in the head, and then they get to go. Some people do therapy. They get to, to go back to the basics. They go back to the fundamentals of the movement to try to get out of the funk. Yeah, and some people uh, and to go back to something we talked about in another show. Some people go to superstition. Jose exactly Canseco, I think, wore a golden. Key, exactly to get control of something that they right. can't to get control, control right something they can exactly exactly I, right. I think was it jose canseco that wore the the thong what well, some baseball player <laughs> <laughs> he wore a thong because that's what he did to, to break his this hitting streak his uh his hit right. streak it's more technically on what you're talking about because that's actually a really good way of uh, defining it the more technically the definition that that i found to speak to exactly what you're talking about, the physical and the psychological. A psychoneuromuscular impediment affecting the execution of fine motor skills during sports performance, which is a very fine way of saying it, it messes with your muscles. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and there's there's three like, there's three types of it, right? There's the physical one where they you can't physically do something. There's a psychological one where the anxiety sort of takes over. And then there's both where one affects the other. You can't physically do it, which causes the anxiety, which causes the feedback loop. And then there's the psychology, the anxiety, which causes the physical, which causes the feedback loop. And the, right. the research that I found found a couple of models on why this occurs. And you hit on one of them, which was self-focus. And the other one was distraction. And they're both basically distraction models. They're just different initiations of the distraction model. So the the distraction part of it is what podcasts and shows and everything call the, the moment is too big. You get out on the stage and you look around and there's 15, 30, 40,000 people and the crowd noise is crazy and you just can't focus on what you have to do because the moment, essentially the moment is too big. You get distracted by everything around you and it's just, it's too much. That's, that's one. And then the self-focus one is also a distraction, but the, the driver of it is the initial anxiety, which is what you mentioned, uh, which causes someone to focus too much on what they're physically doing. And that attenuation to the physical thing causes poor execution, right? So that might've been what happened to Carl Malone. Right. When someone comes up right. and says the mailman that's in the liberty, he's like, well, screw you. I'm going to really concentrate on these free throws. And it would throw off his rhythm. And, right. Because he right, wasn't a bad right. free throw. And in, uh, no. And, 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 you know, to put it very simply and simplistic, you just have to go and do what you've done in practice. Right. That's, what, that's, that's why right. practice is important. Right. You keep doing it. People, you know, in those NBA players, you know, they can shoot a free throw. But every practice, I'm sure they're shooting 50, 100 a, a day. Because if you do something automatically you know we have what we call muscle memory you have you have form if you use that form every single time so when you go to a game and you have i don't know if you saw the mother rosen daughter was yelling at people on the free throw she was screaming and she disrupted i guess it was with <laughs> chicago players right she disrupted um the toronto players she disrupted the, the free throw uh, the, the free the people at the free throw line because she got in the head. But if you go on the free throw line, you, you, you ignore the crowd because that's the job to get you out of your, you know, uh, uh, movement. If you think about the crowd, then you're probably going to miss a free throw. But if you just trust your muscle memory because you practice, right? I'm, I'm sounding right. like, like, uh, I'm diverse. And you're talking about practice. Easy, easy for us to practice. say while we're sitting in chairs in our homes, <laughs> right. not making $40 million a year. Let me play the, right. the Kepka sound of him talking about what happened on the course, and then we can talk about real quick on like how to how to deal with it. This is also courtesy of the Masters. Brooks, it felt like most of the misses were left for you, and um, unless that's wrong, what do you think was leading to that? Uh, I just towed it off one, trying to hold it. Um, so that's probably never good. And then uh, eight. I guess was left, and then it was 17. So yeah, I guess they were. Um, I don't know, man. If I knew, I would have fixed it out there. I don't know, man. If I knew, I would have fixed it out there. Yeah. Can I just say that I don't understand why golf, maybe just golf, or maybe tennis and golf, why their press conference sounds so boring. <laughs> It's like, so, I think it's, I just blew the so, Masters, man. I don't know. Man. I, okay, don't know. all right. So look, I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play uh, an interview with uh, Greg Norman, 
after the 96 okay. Masters. And this is what he says. It's, it's a much more interesting interview of the way he describes the, the final right. round. I, 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 I think anything, anything, anything but that would be more interesting. That he was upset, man. Like, what are you, why are you giving him shit? <laughs> like, the guy was upset. <laughs> I would be upset. Well, and, so, and right, if you watch okay, it, you yeah, can see so how pissed it, off he is, too. He's really upset. Yeah, but show, show some emotion. I don't know. I don't know. He Not was. He was table, angry. He was angry. You got you to gotta see it. This is an audio medium, so all you're hearing is the right, audio. Right, right, right. But if you actually watch the video, you can see how angry he's got his eyes down at times. He, the tone, you could hear it in the tone of his voice. He's, he's angry. He, there, there's emotion there. It's just hey, it's this hey, undercurrent of irritability. <laughs> this is exhibit A. I'm being a troll. Right? <laughs> well, you, you got me. You got me. <laughs> so, so what you're talking about with, um, you know, focus on what you're doing with practice. One of the most effective things for the yips is what they what they call a, pre- a pre-performance routine. And essentially, it's before you go in and do the thing that you're supposed to do, do a routine that you would normally do when you are practicing the thing that you're going to do. So that, uh, that, keep bringing that, that kind of sounds like a mental health. That's not like day. a mental health tip of the day. We got yeah. mental health tip of the day all over the place. All man. day long. All over the place. All over the place today. Just it's all the whole show should just be called the mental health tip of the day show. And there you and go. So we got a title for this one. We got a title. That's right. So I, I keep bringing up free throws because free throws is the is the most it's it's the easiest thing to look at to see what people do, what what the players do. Because you see them all go up there and they all, you know, they bounce the ball three times. They, they set their, bounce their knees and then they shoot and all of them. I, and this has started like 15 years ago or something. It's really annoying to right, me, but right. I guess it's a routine thing where they all slap their hands. They have to hit all of the players or else it's like, Oh my God. Like, and I don't yeah, know if it's a superstition. Did, somebody or did, it's a, yeah. Somebody didn't dap them. Then something's wrong. Like, Hey, you should, yeah, you should somebody, right. you got to dap all four players. Right. So, and that's, if you do this pre performance routine, like, you know, when you go to the free throw line, oh, I bounce it twice. I look up, I bend my right. knees, and then I shoot. You can right. kind of silence everything around you. You're just going to do what you right. normally do. If you do it in right. tennis, if you sit down during a timeout, what do I do when I serve? Well, I bounce the thing four times. Then I put it onto my uh, onto my racket. Then I look up. I throw the thing in the air. And you know, so it's it's when you keep doing this over and over and over again, you will get a routine. And you will, right. you know, continue you your on sense of control. The more, the more things you can control in that movement, you know, getting to the free throw line, getting to, to, to the ball, asking somebody to bounce to the ball, bouncing three times, you know, scratch your nose, pull your ears. If you're in the, in the pitch, spit three times, whatever it is. That's right. It, those are all things that That's you right. can control. So it gives you a sense That's of right. controlling. So the outside thing that you cannot control seems minimal to the actual task. That's right. And that's the, that's what they recommend for the distraction intervention. The thing where, you know, what we call the, the setting is too big. You know what I mean? When you walk out and there's too many people or whatever. For the self focus, they recommended, they recommended, well, the recommendation is when they did all the, they compiled all the research, they found that these were the three most effective techniques. Something called QE training, which is quiet eye, which is to fixate on a single target and Especially in golf, for instance, to look at where the the hole is, if you can see the hole, or look at where the the flag is, if you can see the flag. And when I play the Greg Norman, 
interview, the clip, you're going to hear him at the end mention this exact thing that he didn't do at the end, specifically towards the end of that clip where he mentions what he did after he sort of kind of lost his confidence and stuff for what happened at the end where he just, he really lost focus that where quiet eye training would have really helped him kind of get back on track. There's also something they call dual tasking, which is where you start kind of thinking of something while you're doing whatever it is that you think what you're supposed to do, which sort of distracts you from what you're supposed to do. Singing a song, repeating a word, which actually is sort of an ADHD technique. It's a distraction from the thing that you would normally get distracted from. And then the last one, which I thought was fascinating, and it makes sense, but this is theoretical. We don't know why it works, but it seems to work, is what they call left-hand contraction. So if so, in the studies, what they did was they took people and they gave them something in their left hand to squeeze, and they gave people something in their right hand to squeeze, and the people in their left hand choked less than people that squeeze something in their right hand. The theory here is that squeezing something in your left hand activates your right hemisphere, the visual spatial processing of your right hemisphere, and shuts down or decreases the firing in the left hemisphere, which is the analytical process. And when you're in sports, it's a lot of feeling and it's a lot of reaction time and it's a lot of repetitiveness. You don't want to think. And they, they say that a lot. It's like, just don't think, just go and do it. That on the, on the left hand will shut down the left hemisphere in your analytical side. Whereas when you squeeze the right, it does the opposite. Again, theoretical, we don't know that that's true, but in the in the research, it seemed to to help. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Actually, yeah, that it's, it's good to put science behind it. You know, I, I think it's totally makes sense. So now, now I'm going to, when I'm watching games, I'm going to scrutinize everybody. <laughs> I'm going to see what they're doing with their non-dominant men, right? What, what they're doing with the, like, you probably see at pitchers, they have so many movements they do on the pitch. With the left hand, I mean, they have the glove, obviously, but they they pound the ball, they squeeze the ball, they you know, I don't know, they slap the, the gloves, and there's a lot going into before actual throw, throwing the pitch, right? So yeah, well, they don't maybe, have as much maybe, time maybe, now, yeah. you know, now they right. only have twenty seconds. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, yeah, which is good, which is great. We can go into that later, but this is awesome. I'm maybe a fan now. So excellent. See, what, what did we need? We needed a shot clock. <laughs> <laughs> we needed to make it more like basketball yeah. for you to like the major league. Yeah, people, no, people don't need to talk. People don't need to fall asleep watching a baseball game. There, there, there we go. Oh, come on. It's a national pastime. You're supposed to pass. You're supposed to go there, just sit there and like, just talk. Eat our dogs and drink beers. So as promised, I have two top five lists. Two. So let, let's hear it. So the first one is the top five golf chokes of all time. These are pretty impressive. And again, like I said, Kepka's last round is not even in the top five. So, number five, 2009 British Open, Tom Watson. He went into the final hole, the 18th in the final round. All he needed to do was par the hole. And he had a tiny shot for par, and he missed it. That's number five. Number four, lefty Phil Mickelson, 2006 US Open. He was... Two strokes up after 15, and he was up one stroke after 18. Cough that up. At 18, he was a stroke up at the on the final hole, and he coughed that up. 
Jordan Spieth, number three, Jordan Spieth at the 2016 Masters. He was five strokes up with nine holes left. You think that two of wow. the final round is five strokes with nine holes left. And wow. he quad bogeyed wow. a 12 on 12. Number two, the clip we're going to play. Greg Norman, 96 Masters, entered the final round with a six-shot lead, shot a 78, ended up losing. And the number one golf choke of all time. And this is across the board. Everybody agrees that this is the worst. Is the 99 British Open. Jean Vandelay came in to the last hole. He was up three strokes ahead on the final hole. Wow. <laughs> and he triple bogeyed the hole. Triple bogeyed yeah. the hole. That should be, that, that should be a, a case study for Yips. Uh, we're so going to wait to play. It from, you wanna, yeah. Let's hear what Greg Norman had to say. Yeah, let's see. And uh, this one is courtesy uh, CBS. It's hard to, really is hard to explain, Jimmy, unless you've really been there, but I don't think anything did go wrong. And as I said yesterday, I never felt out of control with myself. I never felt that um, I was nervous. I never felt that, uh, you know, I was letting things go with the way I was. Maybe my rhythm got a little out of sync towards the end. Um, but I can honestly say when I missed that chip on 15, um, it was the first time the whole week my body just went limp. You know, walking to the next tee, I really felt extremely drained because I thought that, you know, I said to Tony, I said, we can make this. We chipped this in, we're right in there, you know. And I said, and if we'd made the chip, I was okay. But, you know, it, it didn't go in. And, you know, have you ever had that feeling where all of a sudden you go, oh, like this, you know, and that's exactly what it was. And, and it was like my mind left my body and my body left my mind on that next tee shot. I really, I always aim at the left-hand corner of the TV tower. There's a little point on your um, canopy. And I always aim at that on when that back pin there, and I just didn't even see it. You know, I just got up there and I just hit because my body was just so limp. And and that was when I really felt, boy, this is the end of the end here. I, I like that you went into it, you know, it, it sounded very truthful. I appreciate that. You actually tell, tell you like, as it is. Yeah. You know, and, it, and you it, can it, hear it. It, yeah. it, 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 it defined what was the yips. Oh, it's a great definition of it. It's a great yeah, definition yeah, yeah. of both went, the psychological and the you physical you going wrong. Right. Yeah, I went numb. Right. And the last did. part about it, the last 10 seconds, you know, usually I aim for that, that, that thing in your, in your tower. And I didn't even right. see it. I just went up and hit. That, okay. That's a great definition. And finally, here's my top five chokes of all time. This is in all sports, uh, except golf. So we did golf, but this, so golf is not in here, although John Vandalay probably would be in this. This list actually is very personal to me. There's probably worse gonna, jokes for other right. people. There's probably going to be basketball in there. There's going to be football in there. Well, there is going to be gonna, football. There's going to be Russell Wilson somewhere. Uh, at the, at there's the no line. basketball. There's no basketball. There's, because yeah, when I looked over the, the list, Seahawks. when I looked... Okay. No, but that that's probably should be like uh, that, hey, didn't quite make that the should cut. Should be in there. Yeah, didn't, didn't make the cut. DMC there. didn't make the cut. That should be a D DMC. The the Seahawks on the one yard line. Uh, oh my god! Throwing the ball instead of giving it to Marshawn Lynch. Oh my Just god! Just run that's, it right. Just run it. Yeah. I, oh my god! That's awful. That should have but, been in there. But, it should have been there. But that's that. When I looked at the the list of chokes in sports, these are the ones I remember. 
like either as a child or well they're mostly all as either a child or a young adult and so they're they're more personal to me right uh when i was a kid i was a big tennis fan yana novotna blowing a lead to steffi graf she lost the first set won the second set and was up 4-1 in the third set and she was serving to win the next game to go up 5-1 she was up 40-30 she double faulted she ended up losing that game and she didn't win another game the rest of the match so that's number five number four and i don't know you don't like baseball until recently but i don't know if you remember 2001 mariano rivera he came in ninth inning Yankees up one in game seven of the World Series against the Diamondbacks. And he blew the save in game seven of the World Series. And and the reason this is personal to me, because I'm not a Yankees fan, I'm not a Diamondbacks fan, but the Yankees were down in this series, I believe, two to one. And at the time I was gambling online and the Yankees were favorites to begin the series. When they were down two one, they became underdogs and they were, I think, plus 250 or 300 and I bet on the Yankees to win the series because they were so much better than the Diamondbacks and when I saw Mariano come in there in game seven I knew I had won yeah and I watched that ninth inning and it was like watching a horror movie speaking of horror movies number three uh the Bills Oilers do you remember this until recently Come on, man. This was uh, this was 1993. Oh, yeah. Probably wasn't watching, though. How old were you in 1993? Let's see. I must have been five years old. Oh, I'm a young buck. Right. So, yeah. yeah, you weren't watching it. 1993, I watched this game from beginning to end. The Oilers were up 35-3 to in the third quarter. Do you know this? Do you know what happened here? Tell me. No. Oh, my God. Okay. Until recently, there was a, a comeback recently. It was the Jags game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah. year, right? That was that yeah. now is the greatest comeback ever in, in, in football history. Until then, this was the greatest comeback in football history. The Bills were down 35-3 at home to the Oilers and Warren Moon, and they didn't have Jim Kelly. Frank Reich led a 32-point comeback in the second half, and the Bills won in overtime, 38-35. And I cried that entire week. Because the Bills were the nemesis of the Dolphins. Like the Dolphins could right. never get past them. And I'm like, 35-3, this is it. Houston did us a favor. They got us. They got rid of Buffalo. Miami was the number one seed that year. They were going to have the home field no matter what in the AFC Championship game. And I'm like, we can beat Buffalo. I, we can beat Houston. There's no chance right. Houston's going to beat us at home. We're going to the Super Bowl this year. We're going. And then he came back and they got into the AFC championship game. Jim Kelly came back the next year, uh, the next week. And I went to that AFC championship game and the bills blew us out. And it was, it was, that would, that might've been my lowest moment in sports until Alan Houston beat the heat with that (laughs) last second buzzer beater in 99, which you probably remember because you were older then. That I remember. I remember that one. Okay. I used to hate uh, number two. Uh, this is another baseball one. Steve Bartman and the Cubs. The Cubs were up in game six, three nothing. They were going to win the series. They were going to go to the World Series. 
against the Marlins. And it was the eighth inning. And Steve, you don't remember this, do you? Because you don't watch baseball. You know who Steve Bartman is? No. Okay. No. Steve Bartman, uh, I don't remember who the Marlin is that hit it. He hit it into uh, left field. It went foul. And Moises Alou came over and he was going to catch it in foul territory. Steve Bartman reached up, knocked it out of his glove. Moises Alou went batch crazy. After that, the Marlins scored seven runs. They came back. They won that game. And then they won game seven. Wow. It ruined the Cubs season. And Steve Bartman was, you want to talk about trolling and cancel culture. Steve Bartman's life was ruined after this. Look him up. You'll find right. out. It's, it's, it was, he became it was, probably, probably enemy. I, yeah. Listen, when, when it happened in the game, people were throwing things at him. He had to be escorted out of the game with security. Because it was yeah. such a bad, like he was, his life was ruined. But my life wasn't because the Marlins won the World Series. I had to beat the Yankees. <laughs> but that is an enormous choke by the Cubs. And the number one choke in the history of, of sports, in my opinion, is Scott Norwood, the Bills. He missed it to the right. Oh, I was so yeah. happy. Because <laughs> that was the Bills in the Super Bowl against the Giants. I feel bad for Scott Norwood. I feel bad for laughing at him because it's not nice. But I hate the Bills. I hate the Bills so much. I think I hate them more than the Jets, although I, it's a toss-up depending on the year. Scott Norwood was in an excellent kicker. He came in 47-yard field goal. That is an automatic field goal. And he he yeah. pushed it. He had, the, he had the yips. The yips. The yips. And we have sound. I found the interview in the locker room immediately after that game of Scott Norwood. And you can hear in his voice how upset he is but specifically you can hear him talking about the yips and that's what's important for for this particular podcast so this sound is uh wkbwtv abc buffalo um well you go through the the elements of the kick that, that you think are going to be important at the moment and i felt like uh, in reflection of course you don't get a second try but uh may have stress trying to to kick the ball strongly uh a bit too much. It was a strong kick. I hit it very good on my foot, but uh, maybe in, in doing that, I, I set myself up mechanically for mm-hmm. shortcoming. Uh, you know, bringing the hips through. Maybe they didn't uh, didn't come around a little bit. Maybe I was uh, into it pretty quickly in the plant foot. I think probably it was down the field just a little further. It should be. And as a result, didn't uh, get the type of follow through and draw that. Uh, yeah, that kick needed. So that's. Uh, I mean, couldn't say any better. That, that's that's the yips. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there you go. And I think uh, maybe. I guess the. I, I guess the, the moral of the story is, I don't know. Would you say the yips is part of sports? Like it's it's normal, or would you say it is something that, not necessarily need treatment, but something that we can address to avoid it, I guess. Or should should it be just normal? You know, shit happens, right? Shit does happen in sports. It's I don't I wouldn't say that it's normal, but it's probably common. It's expected. And, right. if, okay. and if you have it, you know, there's ways around it. Look into it. Yeah.
All right, now it's time for the real mental health tip of the day. Day full of hiccups? Knees shake up? Listen up. It's Dr. Big and Dr. DeGrasse mental health tip of the day. The real one. You got the other one? The others were just bonuses. This is this That's is right, bonus. One. This is the real mental health tip of the day. Of course, the mental health tip of the day is always brought to you by nobody because we still don't have any sponsors, but you know. Not yet. Not, not, not yet. yet. Yes, we're, we're always optimistic about these things. Take it away. So, guys, I mean, it's, it's mostly just a, a practice, right? That's something I, I usually tell people when they, when, when they come see me. Try to always, you know, perform that. And the, the thing is, when you have a, a thought, right? When you have a, let's say, a negative thought or you're about to bust at somebody, you're about to yell at somebody, you're about to fight with someone. Before you do that, if you can pause and just put it on paper, pen to paper, write it down. Whatever you're going to get out somebody, whatever you're going to say, you're going to say, I don't know, you this, that, this, and this. Just put it down on paper, write it down, and read it. And then if you still think that you need to say it, then fine. You can say it in better words, maybe. If it's a negative thought about yourself, write it down, read it, and try to find reason why that thought is not true. Right? Find, try to find reasoning beyond that thought so before you go into automatic drive and react to your thought just put it pen to paper and just read it i'm guarantee you half of the things that you would have done you say damn it <laughs> i should have never said that so yeah just pause guys that's actually really good advice and it goes into something we talked about earlier with trolling is before you respond to a troll maybe you want to go back and write down what you would have said and you not say it. That's that's fantastic yeah. advice. Take take time to step back from where you are. Right. Think about what don't, you're going to say. Don't be don't be a hothead. Right. Don't, don't let your emotion yeah. ride you. Right. Just be, be be in control. Don't let your emotions control you. There you go. That's right. Write it down first. Take a look at it, and if you still want to say it, there you go. All right, everyone. Yeah. Thank you for putting up with us yet again. Yes, guys, guys. I'll say please give us some good reviews or bad reviews that's the only way you get better <laughs> something that you want us to do or change just rate you know five star preferably or if it's a one star damn it just give it because that's how we get better guys yes please we accept all criticism as they say on youtube uh to subscribe and what do they say Sub- subscribe and subscribe yes. hit hit, this, uh, hit, hit that notification bell <laughs> so you never miss a video that's what they say on YouTube. Right. Hit that no. notification bell. But in our no, world, no, just follow, follow us, us follow us, us subscribe, yeah. give us a rating. We appreciate everything you do for us. Thank you guys, and we will see you again right. for sure. See you guys. The previous podcast represented the individual opinions of Dr. Dimitri Bick, Dr. Stefan DeGraff, and the guests. It should not have been taken as medical advice or an establishment of standard of care. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions.